patterns, permutations, time, rhythm, coordination, meter, concentration, tempo, modulation, groove. Welcome to the Drum Mantra Podcast. This is Rich Stitzel, and it's time to go deeper with your practice. So what I what I did is, you know, at some point I started realizing like I can put in these, you know, these sextuplets and make it sound essentially kind of faster than it is. Before I set up anything in a session, I try to find out, hey, what's the first song we're going to do? Can we go listen to it? Is there some kind of demo? And then, because I hate, I hate just like throwing up like any old cymbals and snare drum and whatever, um, building a kit and then going to listen to the song and go like, oh, well, I wouldn't use half the stuff that's up here. The way to be successful is something that you have to be so passionate about it that time disappears. What's happening? Rich Stitzel here. Thank you for tuning in to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Someone asked me the other day, who are the people talking on the intro to my podcast? So it's funny. Um, it's me and it's Blair Senta and it's Ari Honig and it's Carter McLean. So uh, I don't know if you're if you're new to my podcast, you can go back a little bit and you can hear an interview. My first interview was with Ari and my second interview was with Blair, and my third interview was with Carter. My plan was to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way down the alphabet, and I guess sometime around uh, the end of 2017, I just got so busy that I kind of forgot that I even had a podcast. I was um, just doing so many other things. I'm going to get back into that. So the next guest is absolutely a D, and... That's the only hint I can give you. I can give you another hint. Um, he loves to eat tacos. And maybe I'll give you one more hint. Um, he plays Ludwig drums. That's it. That's all the hints I'm going to give. Starts with a D. He loves tacos. And he plays Ludwig drums. We talked uh, probably a couple months ago about doing doing a podcast uh, interview and we just uh, we agreed to do it and we never got around to it so that will be happening soon I promise you in fact if you're listening Mr. Taco Eating Ludwig playing first letter in your name D um, we'll be talking soon okay cool so um, I what was I going to talk about today I was going to see how hard it is to talk about reading music without actually having any kind of visual representation of music. And the first thing I need to say is, you know, I, on Instagram I said, if you want to know some quick tips and tricks, get in touch with me, and a lot of people did. Well, I, I have to say this. Reading music, learning to read music is is music is a language. So learning to 
play music takes a lot of practice. Learning to read music takes a lot of practice. Um, you have to get used to the actual symbols that you're looking at. What a, what does a quarter note look like? What does an eighth note look like? What does a sixteenth note rest look like? Um, and believe it or not, a quarter note printed on a uh, in a software on a computer is has a different look and feel and impact on you than a handwritten quarter note does. Um, it's pretty interesting. I, I grew up in a family of musicians. Uh, my dad is a college professor, jazz studies professor. My mom's head of instrumental music at a boarding school in St. Louis. But when I was a kid, my dad was a jingle writer, and he also wrote for a bunch of uh, shows. So he would write music for 20 musicians uh, to be playing for like a live television show like you know, Miss Texas Pageant was one of the big, big uh, contracts. Or um, there was a rodeo in in Fort Worth that had a twenty piece band, and he would he would compose music for that. So doing live and music recording sessions. And my mom at that time was a music copyist, and she was a copyist for uh, Jensen Publications, and she was also a copyist for um, I think she was a copyist for Rich Madison's. Uh, publishing company called outrageous mother i think i'm not totally i i think that's true um i know i do remember spending a lot of time over at rich madison's house when i was a kid um if you don't know who that is he he's he plays what is what does he play it's like a it's like a baritone horn i think it's been so long since i've even seen rich madison or thought about rich madison and then he was at North Texas, and then he moved to, I think, northern Florida. I may be getting everything wrong. I'm getting way off on a tangent. Anyway, my mom was a copyist, and so she um, would write. She would copy music. She would copy my dad's music a lot. So she would take the score, and a score is like, you know, 20. Say, for instance, if my dad was writing a big band chart with 20 instruments, it would be written on a score which all 20 instruments are, are stacked above each other. And there might be four measures or six measures or eight measures per page on these huge pages. It's like 18 by 24 uh, pages. My dad would handwrite in pencil um, all the parts, all the saxophone parts, all the trumpet parts, all the trombone parts, the rhythm section parts, all on a score. And then he would give the score to my mom. And my mom's responsibility as a music copyist is to get a piece of paper, uh, onion skin, vellum paper, and a calligraphy pen. It was crazy. And she would handwrite the, the alto one part, so on one page. And she would, she would do that. And it have to be perfect. It would have to be like all the measures had to make sense, so usually four measures per line. The codas had to be in the right place. So none of that inform- the information is in the, in the score, but it's not in the separate parts where how to lay out a page, how to lay out a form. If you have endings and codas and 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 tags and whatever, all the all the all the parts of of a of a score go into a part, and the part has to be laid out perfectly. And she would do this with rulers and by hands, and really having to like measure pages before she even started. And I was too young to really know what was going on, but thinking back, and now that I've written a couple books myself and written so many charts, I can't even imagine counting them, uh, transcriptions and stuff, uh, 
it's a lot of work to make a chart look really good, especially at the level of like professional publishing. So all the early jazz band, big band charts by from Jensen Publications and, and many other uh, publishers were handwritten, and they were handwritten by a few different copyists, and my mom was one of the copyists. So she has this meticulous handwriting, and, and she you know her ability to write notes with a calligraphy pen or, it was incredible. So she would copy all the music. Um, and so every quarter note had to look the exact same, even though it was written by hand. Every eighth note, all the ties, everything had to be spaced perfectly. And she was able to do this like, like you were signing your name. I mean, it was like nonstop action with that calligraphy pen on onion skin paper. Like this was paper that if you pushed too hard, you would rip a hole right in the paper. It was, it's just insane to think about the it's almost like the primitive technology that we used long ago <clears throat> to get jobs done. I remember another neighbor of mine, this little side note, a neighbor of mine, his uh, friend of mine, his mom was a graphic designer and she had this thing in her office, this, this, this post with all these uh, rolls of tape, super thin rolls of tape, like so thin that you can't even, if you touched it wrong, it, you would just mess the whole thing up. And this was tape to actually put lines onto a piece of paper for graphic design for like the logos for a company or whatever. And just to think how how highly skilled an artist or a music copyist or anybody had to be back before there were computers. I mean, this is before there were computers. This is before Photoshop and before Illustrator. This is real analog work that these people were doing. Pretty crazy to think back about about that. Um, if you're younger than 30, you have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> probably. Anyway, um, so... Where am I going with this? Yeah, so notes have a certain look to them. And there's no shortcut in learning how to read the notes. Now, as a drummer, we're not necessarily responsible for pitches. So we're not trying to read up and down a staff, um, you know, looking at the lines and spaces on a staff and trying to figure out, okay, this is a, this is an F and this is an A and this is where the C goes and this is where E goes. So we're not worried about that so much. We have a pretty pretty set system with um, where the notation lies and the notation is different than the notes. So the notation for drums, just real quick, um, like the C, the space that is C, so it's like the first space in the staff is F and the second space is A and the second space is C, or the third space is C. C is where the snare drum goes. F is usually where the bass drum goes. D, which is the space below the first line, that's hi-hat, which would be notated with an X. And um, G, I usually use for, hi for hi-hats or cymbals. Um, that's above the last line in the staff. So that's kind of a little notation key, and you can find those anywhere online. <clears throat> but that's not that's not really what reading music about what I'm going to talk about reading music is today. Um, I want to talk about note values, and we're going to work backwards. I want to. I, I think the important thing to look at 
and to think about is subdivisions. So subdivisions is how many times you can chop up a beat within one measure. Uh, hang on, I've got to answer a text here real quick. One second. Okay, I'm back. And you don't even know how long I was gone because I hit pause and here I am. So let's get back to subdivisions. Subdivisions are important in several ways. First of all, it helps us know what the feel of the music is. You can have a subdivision be in a duple feel, or you can have a subdivision be in a triple feel, and those subdivisions will definitely determine what the groove and vibe of the music that you're playing is. Um, the good thing about subdivisions is it allows us to chop a beat up into smaller pieces, and it also is it's great to be able to, to feel, think, hear, count, whatever, subdivisions, um, because it just helps solidify your time when you are able to chop uh, time up into smaller pieces. If you're trying to play whole, for instance, if you're trying to play whole notes and you're not counting anything between them, you're just going boom, boom. I mean, it's it, it's almost impossible to hit accurately each beginning of a whole note without doing any counting in between. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do some counting in between, and I like to start with sixteenth notes. Sixteenth notes is a great, a great um, has great momentum. Um, it's something that we're all familiar with, even if we don't read music. We play sixteenth notes in drums a lot. So sixteenth notes are just four notes per quarter note. So if you're in four four time, there are four quarter notes. And there would be 16 sixteenth notes. Four quarter notes, 16 sixteenth notes, or four sixteenth notes per quarter note. So if you're in three four time, there would be three quarter notes. And each quarter note is divided in sixteenth notes. So you'd have 12 sixteenth notes in a measure of three four. Five four time, you would have 20 sixteenth notes, four per quarter note. Um, so that's how that works. If you're in two four time, you would have eight sixteenth notes, four for the first chord note, four for the second chord note. If you're in one four time, you would have four sixteenth notes in that measure of one four time, one quarter note. Um, okay, so quarter notes, I'm just going to kind of tap some quarter notes on my desk here. Here's what the quarter notes sound like. I'm going to count one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Those are quarter notes and 16th notes. So I was counting the quarter notes and I was playing the 16th notes. The thing that's great about 16th notes is we can start to glean other note values out of the 16th notes. For instance, a quarter note is four 16th notes. One, two, three, four. An eighth note is double quarter notes. So you have two eighth notes per quarter note. And you count those one and, two and, three and, four and. So each eighth note gets two sixteenth notes. One and, two and, three and, four and. One and, you hear that? One and, two and, three and, four and. One and, two and, three and, four and. One and, two and, three and, four and. And then I like to think about this. If you're playing eighth notes, your right hand is playing all the eighth notes. 
1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and. Now we haven't talked about counting 16th notes yet. So if we count 16th notes, 8th notes, okay, let me back all the way up. Quarter notes, 1, 2, 3, 4. 8th notes divides those in half. 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and. And then 16th notes divide the 8th notes in half. And we say E for the first one and uh for the last one or for the the first time of the 16th note experience and the last time of the 16th note experience which is actually the second note of the 16th note grouping and the fourth note of the 16th note grouping it sounds like this one e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a now the e and the uh just happen to all fall on the left hand. If we're going right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left for our 16th notes, the left hand plays all the E's and U's. One E and a, two E and a, three E and a, four E and a. <clears throat> so now we have eliminated a lot of guesswork and we know for certain which hand creates which part of the beat when we're using a right-left, right-left sticking, playing 16th notes. The right hand plays all the downbeats, the right hand plays all the ands, the left hand plays all the es, and the left hand plays all the us. It's very important to understand this, because once you understand that, and once you understand those placements, then when you can associate it with what you see on a page, when you start to un know what a uh, a 16th note looks like, an 8th note looks like, a chord note looks like, and all the rests that are associated with those three note values, then you can start knowing how to line up what your hands do with what you're seeing. So a great exercise is to... Uh, let's see. Oh, now I'm getting a phone call. I'm not going to take it. I'll just wait. It happens to be from Paul Mutzabah, who, if you don't know who that is in the world of drummers that you're out there, Paul is an amazing, he's probably, he's just an unbelievable pianist and synthesizer keyboard player in town. He's also a producer and he's an amazing bass player and he's a great percussionist. In fact, he came in, I think he's number two in the world in uh, tenor drums for the Cavaliers in 1998 or something. Anyway, look him up, Paul Mutzabaugh. So I just didn't answer the phone. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> it's okay. He and I are playing a rehearsal and a gig tomorrow night. So I will see him and I'll call him in a minute. Okay, so we go back to the 16th notes. And in fact, it's interesting that Paul called because Paul is one of the main reasons that I really, really started to focus in on clear subdivisions because Paul's compositions require very, very exact performances and the way that he writes is um, very syncopated, poly very polymetric. There's a lot of over-the-bar line phrases and there are a lot of different time signatures with phrases that don't resolve within the measure. So his compositions are are something that has inspired me to really, really dial in my knowledge of of subdivisions and reading. So thank you for that inspiration, Paul. I guess you called to uh, get your uh, get your accolades from me here on the podcast. Okay, so if you are brand new to reading, here's what I suggest. 
well, <laughs> in my book, and I'm not trying to sell you my book, but I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a book that will take you through lots and lots of um, playing abilities and challenges. So I'm just going to take the first line of melodies in my in my book called the Foundational Series. This is Rhythmic Melodies, section 1A in my book. Um, there are three sections in the Foundational Series book. The first section is in 4-4. Four, four. The second section is in 3-4. And the third section is in 5-4. So you get an opportunity to practice exercises and reading skills in three different time signatures. I think it's very helpful to understand phrase lengths in different um, time signatures. So the first, let me pull this up. The first measures, the first four measures, which is exercise number one on page 37, is uh, four quarter notes. One, two, three, four. The second measure is the ands of every beat. One, and, two, and, three, and, four, and. The third measure is one, and, two, three, and, four, and. And the fourth measure is one, and, two, and, three, and, four. So the combination of chord notes, eighth notes, eighth note rests. So here's the whole line. One, two, three, four, one, and, two, and, three, and, four, and, one, and, two, three and four and one and two and three and four. So what I would suggest doing, and this is what I love to do, is you play 16th notes because we know where the hands fall. I already know when I scan that entire line of music, I already know that if I'm playing 16th notes with the right, left, right, left sticking, I will never accent anything with my left hand. So I'm going to play 16th notes and I'm going to accent the melody line. It sounds like this. Here's my 16th notes. One, two, three, four, one, and two, and three, and four, and one, and two, three, and four, and one, and two, and three, and four. All right hands. My right hand accented every single thing that you just heard. And what what I because I know that, and because I've practiced my hands going right, left, right, left and I've practiced accenting every part of the 16th note, consciously aware of what hand covers what part of the beat, I'm able to read that line with ease. And I could probably read that line with ease even if I haven't, hadn't seen it ever. Like if I'm sight reading it, and even if I'm brand new at reading, it's not, it's not uh, a very difficult thing because I understand the, the components that make up the parts of time that give me the information I need to play these melodies with the proper accent, with the proper hand. Okay, so it, the thing the thing that's necessary is you have to you have to know that, and you have to know what a quarter note looks like, and you have to know what an eighth note looks like, and you have to know what a quarter note rest looks like, and you have to know what an eighth note rest looks like. Th those four pieces of information will allow you to read any melody that is written with quarter notes and eighth notes. Um, then, once you learn what a sixteenth note looks like and what a sixteenth note rest looks like, you can fill in the gaps with your left hand. Here is line four of the same page of exercises. It's four measures long, and this is a good one to even visualize because 
there's a pattern to this one. The first measure is all downbeats. The second measure is all E's. The third measure is all ands. And the fourth measure is all us. Here's what that sounds like. Ready, go. One, two, three, four. One E, two E, three E, four E, one and, two and, three and, four and, one E, and a two E, and a three E, and a four E, and a one. And we're back to the beginning. So that's something you can do right now without even seeing any music. You can play four downbeats with your right hand and then play four accents with your left hand on the second 16th note, the E. And then you move and play four accents on the and with your right hand again. And then finally play four accents with the left hand on the uh. Okay? I know this probably sounds basic to... This, this might sound basic to everybody, but it might not sound basic to everybody. So for those of you that this is a new concept, um, really let this sink in. And I highly recommend... And th if this is a new concept, I highly recommend checking this book out, the Foundational Series. It's available at my website, richditzelmusic.com. And um, incidentally, I'm about to come out with a program called the Drum Mantra 3030, which is a 30 minute a day, 30 days in a row workout uh, course that takes you through the entire Foundational Series book. Well, it doesn't take you through the entire book because there's no way to do that in that amount of time. It probably would be about a 90 day thing, 30 minutes a day. But more on that later. Okay, for those of you that are that this is sort of like, yeah, yeah, I understand all this, perfect. Because what we can do now is you can start to orchestrate these concepts onto the drum set. So what we're going to do is we're going to play 16th notes with the hand, and instead of accenting the hand, we're going to use the foot to accent. Um, and I don't know how to make this so you could hear it. Maybe I'll program it real quick. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Okay, I'm going to go program this real quick, and then I'll be right back so you can... I'll, I'll drop it in so you can hear it. I'll be right back. Hang on. Okay, I'm back again, and we are going to now listen to... You're going to have a two-measure count-off, and then we're going to hear one 4-4 four, four measure of downbeats on the bass drum, one measure of E's on the bass drum, one measure of ands, and one measure of us. Here we go. Alright, so that's what it sounds like. A 4-4 four, four measure with bass drum on the downbeats, and then bass drum on the E's, bass drum on the ands, and bass drum on the uhs. I'm going to do it again, let you hear it, maybe tap it along if you feel like it. You're going to hear uh, that cycle, that 4 measure long cycle, four times in a row. Here we go.
All right, so there it is, um, the pattern four times through the four-measure phrase. So that's uh, exercise four in my book, the foundational series. Now, what's important about this is we start to develop coordination, syncopation, we understand subdivisions, and we're able to start identifying note placements. Um, this is like the first steps to then building the freedom to take out the 16th note subdivisions and just play the note values and you think the subdivisions inside you feel them inside instead of having to make them audible um, also it when you're looking at the notes you immediately understand when you see an e you know where that note is placed you understand the sound of it the feel of it um, eventually you start to understand the the um, the emotional content of different note values and different note placements rhythmically and you can start to hone your own creative skill and your your kind of internal creative toolbox of what you choose to do in response to what you're hearing happening in the band now i'm talking about a creative musical situation so you may your your whole vibe and it's different for everybody, but your vibe may be that when you want to have everybody in the in the solid pocket, you're going to play downbeats on the as quarter notes. And when you want to get people bobbing their heads a certain way, you're going to play the ands, the upbeats. And if you want to get someone to to groove a different way, you might accent the us. Or if you want to kind of um, you know, superimpose a, a sense that the time has shifted. You might want to play the ease. So whatever it is that you decide, it's something that comes from the experience of lots of repetitions, starting with the building blocks of subdivisions and then note values and then uh, voicings and coordination. And it just builds from there. Um, so that is kind of, that's that's a little bit of an inside tip on how to start developing a strength to be able to read again you know there's no secret there's no magic pill it is um like i said it's like learning a language it's like learning how to read it's it is reading it is a language so you have to familiarize yourself and be comfortable with what notes look like and eventually what note patterns feel like you may see a rhythm that goes like this uh, let me just think of one. Um, let's see. Uh, dot, 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 dot. So once you understand what that looks like in your mind, then when you're looking at a measure on the page and it and it reads, uh, 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 you don't have to think, oh, uh, 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 you don't have to count anything. You don't even have to look at each beat on its own. You just look at it and the picture of that rhythm immediately uh, tells your your brain and your body what to do so you're you can see a whole measure and understand it as a rhythm instead of seeing each beat as pieces of information and then eventually you might even be able to look at an entire line of four, you know four measures and you just glimpse at it and you immediately understand how to associate it and you know how to read it it's just like looking at a book you know eventually you don't have to sound out 
the letters to make the word, you just see the word. And eventually you start to see groups of words and you understand exactly what it says just by glancing at it. It's the same thing with music. So um, there are other there are other little tips and tricks that I definitely can can discuss, but I don't know how easy it will be to do in a podcast. It might be something that has to be done on a Skype lesson, which I do, or um, in some of my video lessons, I do talk about reading and voicings on reading. And I'm actually going to be putting together a, a course on reading as well. So anyway, that was this was an experiment, and let me know how you liked it. Let me know if you'd want to know anything different about it or you want to go further with it. I'm happy to discuss anything at any time. You can DM me on Instagram. You can send me a message on Facebook at Rich Ditzel Music. Uh, my Instagram is also Rich Ditzel Music. Or I'm also at Drum Mantra on Instagram. Um, so you can find me. And you know, if you have any questions or concerns, feel free to reach out. I'm, I'm pretty good about responding to everybody that writes me. So um, I'd be happy to get in a conversation with you if you like. Okay, well, uh, I guess I'll wrap it up today. Um, hopefully this helped, and I look forward to talking to you sometime soon. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Your time and attention is much appreciated. I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating, and please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice. Take care.